0: Aloha Maui, Nui. Hello, this is Josh Porter
1: and Jason Burkhardt.
0: Welcome to the Solar Coaster. It's episode ninety-seven, Jay. I think that's about three away from uh, our triple-digit uh, uh, countdown. Our triple-digit uh, yeah, it's going to be many,
1: many years until we add another digit, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's going to be like yeah, it'll be a long time. What is that? Ten years? That's a long way out.
1: Something like that. So very okay.
0: good. This is episode ninety-seven, uh, folks. Really excited about this. Uh, this is uh, actually with a really interesting fellow that I met in uh, in Canada a few weeks back in Toronto at this uh, this conference called Globe Global Capital. His name is Tim Peterson, he's from Ontario, he's from that region, he's from a company called Global First Power. Now Tim's a really remarkable fellow and he's involved with SMRs, and that, that was a term that I
1: hadn't been acquainted with at the time, but SMRs, Jay, do you want to explain what that is? Sure, uh, it's for small modular reactor. Uh, so if you are a f- follower of the solar coaster, you kind of know that we don't do exclusively solar. We're all things renewable energy. Uh, And this is one of those kind of borderline concepts. There's there's pros and cons for the use of nuclear to decarbonize our... Global footprint and SMRs could be a path forward. Uh, so, we're going to do some significant research on them today. Stick around for that.
0: Absolutely. Really excited to jump into this and learn. Learn. I spoke with uh, Tim quite a bit, and he's a remarkable fellow. So, uh, let's get into our housekeeping, our news and events, uh, and run right through this wonderful show ahead of us. All right. Hey, folks, go, go, this go. is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at one hundred five p.m., Uncle Oi 11:10 a.m., also on 96.7 FM Central Maui. FM Westside 98.7 FM upcountry
1: www.solar-coaster.com is where you can find us at any time of day any hour um we can listen live you can get all our old shows check out photos and videos from interesting places we've been uh also sign up for our mailing list we haven't sent out a lot but we have some plans uh but most importantly you can also use that same uh, talkback box to actually send us your questions so if you have a question or comment about solar or renewable energies in any respect can't call in during the show for whatever reason fill in your uh, information there and we will get your question on air we're also available on podcast networks itunes stitcher and tune in all carry the solar coaster just look up solar coaster and look for a little yellow sc logo Absolutely. we well, got some great sponsors that have kept
0: Solar Coaster on air Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. Thanks so much to our sponsors for uh, supporting us and uh, look forward to a long road ahead. This is a call in show, folks. 808 242 7800. 808 242 7800 is the call in line. Let's jump over to Pantech Design Minute. Welcome to Pantech Design Minute number 11. An insurance policy for the blossoming garden of connected devices in your home. Our homes contain a veritable garden of smart connected devices that are growing all the time. When a grid outage happens, your Equalink system will provide battery backup, ensuring their continued safety and
1: operation. But that's not the whole story. What homeowners may not be considering is what happens when the grid power comes back on. Remarkably, this can be one of the most critical times for protecting your devices. Surges and quick intermittent spurts of power can be the most dangerous things for your home electronics.
0: These devices are often a significant investment, and it can be difficult to provide individual backup or UPS and surge protection capability throughout many different locations in your home. The Adapt Energy Automation Package plus Ecolinks keep a watchful eye on the grid. Brownouts can often cause major
1: problems with these electronics. This is how it works. Upon grid loss followed by grid return, you'll notice that the grid does not immediately start feeding power to your home storage system. We must wait five minutes before reconnecting to the grid. During that five minute period, we're watching to see if voltage and frequency are in spec. They must be for five straight minutes, and if the grid is recognized to be out of spec in that five minute timer, then the timer resets. The Adapt Energy Automation Package plus Ecolinks want to be sure that it's a good grid, not a dirty grid or a
0: non-ideal situation. AEA package keeps devices in their happy state and protects them no matter what may come. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. There you go. Jay, you know, what's amazing about this is, uh, although we had read the material, that was not on my radar. And it's a core, it's a huge value proposition.
1: Yeah, it's really something that you don't think about a lot. And if if you tried to put individual little UPSs at like $100, $150 a pop on every little device, I mean, it would, it would cost you more than the devices themselves. Right, and certainly, right. certainly more than actually getting getting a proper home battery.
0: Yeah, this is huge. Uh, very exciting to continue to learn about the value of Pantech design. Plus, uh, plus,
1: you can't get any tax credits on a on, on little UPSs you buy at, oh, at the right. store.
0: I, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to be too exploratory in that conversation right now, but uh, very, very good. Very good. Okay, I think it's time for news and events, Jay. What do you say?
1: Let's do this. I have a uh, guest in the studio. Julia Porter is here to report on a special uh, teen movement that Welcome. we want to hear all about. Nice. So Julia, Welcome, Juju. You yeah.
0: Hey. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got going on, Julia?
2: Um, so basically, today, students all around the world are doing like a school strike for climate change. Whoa. Uh, it was led by this girl named Greta Thunberg from Sweden. She's a 16-year-old activist. Okay. And... Um, I believe last year she began holding solitary demonstrations outside the Swedish Parliament to get climate change. So she skipped school and sat outside the Swedish Parliament all by herself to try and bring no awareness kidding. to I, it.
0: That's amazing. And then, so what is the basic message? I mean, I, I, is, and it, didn't she, has she been nominated for the Nobel
2: Peace Prize? She was a nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize, yes.
0: That's amazing. And then what's going on? Do you know if kids are, are, is it a global initiative or is it a uh, national? What's happening?
2: Um, I believe it's global. Uh, From the article I read, there's protests were staged in cities in more than 100 countries, including Hong Kong, New Delhi, Wellington, and some uh, Finland.
0: No kidding. Unreal. Jay, what's going on? Is that happening uh, around the world as far as you know it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know I, I haven't seen anything uh, in Japan lately, and everybody knows I keep close ties there. I haven't seen anything about that there. I do want to ask you a couple of pointed questions. I mean, do, do you or do you and your friends view this as a nice, easy reason to get out of school for the day or I mean how much how much do you care about this and what is it on your radar? I mean, I, we know you care personally, but I mean your friends, et cetera.
2: Um, I think that a lot of my friends and people my age actually really do care about the environment because um, mm-hmm. people are really aware of it, and I know um, we try to be more conscious about it. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, I mean, we're Hawaii's not in school today because of spring break, but I'm pretty sure if they were, a lot of people would walk out to try and bring awareness towards this.
0: Last question here. Do you feel like you missed an opportunity not being able to walk out of school?
2: I actually do. <laughs> I, really, I really wish I was in school so I could have been able to participate in this.
1: Okay. Well, you can still go down to the government buildings and and put up some signs <laughs> <That's true. laughs> well, let's
0: go down there after the show we'll see what we can do okay Sound, thank you juju like really appreciate it uh it was great to hear that uh your generation's perspective on what's going on it's pretty cool right jay i mean the fact that you've got a 16 year old that uh, started this initiative a couple of years ago and now it's become like a global trend i mean these things happen occasionally right where it's like yeah I've,
1: I've i've actually read a little bit more about her and i guess she has she's been diagnosed with some um Asperger's etc and she she tends to be An, an over worrier like he, she can't Shut off that part no of her kidding. brain And so she's Someone, someone quoted it as I, I don't remember who said it But some, she weaponized her disability Oh what <laughs> so an amazing you know, and, Concept it, Yeah that really, really cool. And her parents let her do it because she's she's instead of just hiding in a room and crying about it, she's actually going out and, and doing something about it, which is which is fantastic. That's remarkable. So I want to learn more let's, about the bucket behind that. Yeah, oh. I, I want to get her on the show. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. OK, OK. I'll go to work Try to find her. OK, Um. so shall good. we jump over to some of our news and events, Jay? I mean, sure, global.
1: absolutely. Uh, Yale Environment three hundred and sixty is a uh, Yale Edu website. Uh, is actually reporting that utility scale solar could grow. I think it will grow uh, by double digits over the next two years. This is um, double digits. Double digits. 12% this is all year over year. <clears throat> pardon. Twelve percent that they pulled out from from golden Goldman Sachs uh, reports. Twelve percent over the last year and would grow another ten percent in twenty twenty. Uh, hitting t- 135 gigawatt of, of rolled out solar by 2022. That's an impressive number. We talked about trying to get to uh, a terawatt um, by, by 2030. Um, it's, it's a difficult proposition, but this is actually not a bad not a bad growth line. We're going from from 108 to 119 to 135 over the next three years or the, considering last year. Right, so we're seeing okay. Well, I mean, it's uh, just being able to hit one hundred eight
0: gigawatts in, uh, in was it in eighteen? I guess uh, that was that was twenty nineteen. That was nineteen. One hundred eight
1: was twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's projected. So, so I suppose, right, will project, project, will be it, okay. the next two years are projected, but it's it's significant growth over over those years. Very well, cool. Very very cool.
0: Great to see some growth in that, and then uh, I don't know how we're going to be able to do that. Get that multiplier
1: we need up to get to a terawatt, but I mean, it's. Uh, uh, well that's some that's part of what we're talking about today isn't it yeah, so let's move on down. let's move on, on over to the MIT technology review okay and they have a new safer nuclear reactors that might help stop climate change article <laughs> um, the, the nuclear reactors are a I mean, fission nuclear reactors now we talked about fusion previously uh, and if you'd want to get more about that show certainly go to the solar coastercom com website and listen to that particular show because we did get to talk to uh, all the folks at eatER Um who was just a large France uh, fusion research project. Um, but this is traditional, what we consider traditional nuclear fission energy, but in kind of a different form factor and certainly in a different um, the, the research group. They, they, they call them what category four now reactors, which are not using water to circulate the heat. Right. Uh, right. They're actually using either either um, a liquid metal or, or sodium, um, I think there was a just liquidified salt as uh, as a, as a um, yeah large scale sodium cooled reactor um, to um, to circulate the heat away from the actual fuel. They're also being able now to use what would have been considered spent fuel as more fuel. So there's less um, actual nuclear waste coming out of these reactors at the end of their their life cycle. Um, there's a lot. But there's been a lot of progress made in, in the technology, uh, and finally, they're actually making them significantly smaller. And generally speaking, a nuclear reactor would have to be a terawatt. Or I'm sorry, yes, yeah, terawatt, a, a gigawatt in size. No, no, no it's one thousand. Oh, a gigawatt, megawatt, It's a gigawatt. Um, a gigawatt in size, which is actually much too large for an island like ours um we our reactors generally run in like 100 megawatts or so um so so it would be entirely too much power and the financial requirements are much too much too significant so this is a type for us to undertake
0: this is one type here of of fission Mm -hmm. that it's a larger scale kind of more conventional type of fission but the the cooling mechanisms are different basically that's what i'm hearing right jay
1: yep yeah, cooling mechanisms are different, and actually, there's some interesting ones. Uh, they're actually going with a helium-cooled high-temperature uh, reactor that will um, that again like like the fusion situation it actually cools itself even when there's a complete loss of power at the station so if the pumps all shut off and everything it will sit there and cool itself instead of having like the fukushima issues where they they lost power to the reactor coolant system and that causes caused that caused the meltdown
0: you know this uh, the um, issue of water being a coolant also affects the geography of where you can put these systems right jay so it's like you know you'd have to be near the water effectively to be able to cool the older the, the coolant system types but with these other types pipes you can move them in different locations
1: correct you can put them pretty much anywhere you want Um, the the coolant water is is not exhausted from those old systems but they they do use a heat exchanger system so there's water inside the system that is actually radioactive because it comes in direct contact with the uh, with the fuel rods but then they circulate through a heat exchanger and use non radioactive exhaust water um, to to cool the system and that's not required anymore so you can basically drop these in um, and we're going to find more about that when we bring in our expert. But it's right. really interesting that MIT Technology Review um, is also focused on I mean, it. Seems to be a lot of conversation about nuclear um, all over the world because yeah. we're simply not making enough progress with solar and stuff alone. And, that, and there's the conversation that that shutting down even our existing nuclear infrastructure prematurely is really not a good move. We saw that happen in Germany where they shut down all their started shutting down all their nuclear reactors and their carbon footprint actually skyrocketed. So we just got a
0: text message from lloyd fischel he's asking about the cooling of the water what what jason had just said was that there's a heat exchanging system and there's no um so that's there's the old no, style system that's the old style system yeah okay yeah, so this article here system. lloyd if you'd like to take a look at it is mit technology review and it discusses this particular uh area of uh fission and uh you'll yep. be able to read about their coolant systems within yeah this the, the,
1: the specific title is the new comma safer nuclear reactors yep. so you can that up um but do check it do check it out i mean it's 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 at least worth the conversation to see if this is something that can be done uh they are like i said they're much smaller uh form factor so you can get them in 100 200 megawatts as opposed to a gigawatt right. which is much more apt to to use in the islands um but of course we have a lot of legal
0: well you have, a, you have a, i mean you have a handful of there's a whole series of issues you have leg- legality of you have, you have the legislation you have the uh the general uh, challenges of that, but you also have a major uh, perceptual perception problem about this, right? So people are right. really adverse to the concept of nuclear, and then you, we need to be asking ourselves where, um, you know, uh, how do how do we learn about what is what are the advances, what is safe, and how are how is climate change going to be affected by the intru, the introduction of more nuclear or the absence of nuclear? That's really kind of one of the key questions I have right now. Um, Jay, yeah, do you want to touch on um, the uh, the the bezos and some of the guys that are funding uh the various approaches yep
1: it's already on my screen over here um why bezos and microsoft are betting on this 10 trillion dollar energy fix um they actually did not invest 10 trillion dollars it was but it was 127 million dollar investment into general fusion which is a company that's trying to set up uh commercial Fusion system so this is similar to the eater concept the eater of course is governmentally sponsored uh by by an international commission whereas general fusion is a private company um jeff bezos microsoft and many others have invested um, 127 million dollars to um this physicist's new venture he used to work for who did he work for um i don't remember he was a, a laser printer company mm-hmm. and as a physicist <laughs> for, for laser printer toner uh, Michael Laberge and he quit that job in 2002 and just decided you know what I'm gonna make fusion my thing and he started this this company to specifically make little tiny fusion su- suns. so it's been a process and they're not there yet. They are they've say they've made all the components, like individual components of their reactor. They've got functioning in like laboratory conditions, but they have yet to actually construct a functioning reactor. Uh, that's going to be happening over the next five years. So the so, timeline for this is still pretty long. So, fi- okay, so this
0: sounds like one of the sideline experiments that uh mark henderson was kind of adverse to he's saying look we should pull all of our resources focus on the eater project and get that up and running as soon as possible which is about four decades out to commercial right and then um this is a how much money did bezos uh put into this
1: 127.
0: Oh, it's right on top, yeah, 127 million. million. So they're out there seeding, the it sounds like they're seeding these kind of smaller experiments as uh, maybe long-shot opportunities, right? But I mean, so this is just another type of an example, but this is actually fusion. This is, uh, you sure. know, uh, yeah, a sooner approach to fusion.
1: And, and and Mark, I mean, to his credit, he wants, he wants to make this thing available. He wants to make the technology available for everybody, but there are other ways to do this. ITER um, is using a uh, magnetic containment field, whereas... Right. Um, some of these other reactors are actually using like a liquid metal where they um, inject the hydrogen and then actually pressurize it with with cylinders, which I thought was it was unbelievably interesting because I don't see how you can get that much pressure out of out of some little hydraulic cylinders. Um, <laughs> but I'd, li- I'd love to be educated. Please, please tell me. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to try to go about this. Um, Lockheed Martin has a project that they claim will fit in the back of a truck. Ah, uh, Yeah. This is I mean, more that's, of the that, SMR that's, stuff. That's, right? can, can you imagine going to Costco and loading up your Fusion Generator? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just I just bought this at Costco. Um, so so and that's 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 really really impressive that they could possibly can bring it down to that scale. So so Eater is very much the large grid scale centralized power distribution system, and these other projects I see as as kind of your distributed energy options. Mm. Mm, okay. And there may, and there may, and there, and there most likely be a place in the market for both because you're not, everybody's going to need, I, we honestly, again, we don't need, we don't need a nuclear fission reactor of, of a gigawatt size on Maui. We certainly don't need a fusion reactor of, of gigawatt size on Maui. Uh, It's, it's, it's pretty you, much the same. You really, same you realize you just we, said we, nuclear
0: we need, reactor on Maui on air to 30,000 people. Jay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking I, for some calls. It's <laughs> I would love some calls. <laughs> Call in, let us know what you think. Um,
1: we're going to have these people on air, and that's the reason why we do this, is so we can have the conversation. Yeah. But I'm saying we don't, we don't need something of that size right. is right. the issue. Just
0: from the sheer mathematics um, point, right? So this is where yeah, the I mean, SMR is play. Even projecting
1: for populated, like the worst-case population growth, we're not going to need that much energy here. So, to
0: get, Jay, can we jump over to this uh, world nuclear news? Did you see this one about the Canadian process a little bit here? Sure. Yeah. So, you Go know, uh, folks, it. part of this uh, the genesis of this conversation. Initially, it was uh, our conversation with Mark Henderson at Fusion, discussing, and he had brought up that 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 fusion was a, a critical piece of the puzzle, getting us to fusion, right? And then from there, mm-hmm. we started to talk with some other folks, and I met these uh, a, a, a working group in Canada at this Globe Series Capital event, and one of the big the the, the Canadian government was is working on uh, creating the regular, regulatory environment to uh, catalyze what's called these SMR industry, right? The small modular reactor. Mm-hmm. and the and the and the the uh, the low hanging fruit or the opportunity to be able to develop this industry Uh, to create these safe small uh, uh, nuclear reactors and that's what they call them right is to go after very high cost of energy endeavors like the mining industry the mining industry across uh, uh, canada tends to be uh, in remote locations where the price per kilowatt hour that's that's generated by diesel by shipped in diesel is extremely high so we're acquainted with energy familiar well yeah we're in the 36 cents a kilowatt hour range right now in our world here in maui but imagine being up in very uh very high latitudes uh, in remote regions of Canada, where shipped-in diesel actually—it's more almost like a military cost—it uh, can be up to a dollar a kilowatt hour, even even north of that, right? So mm-hmm. you've got a great opportunity uh, to be able to uh, create cost savings, create efficiencies in that industry. And there's a big appetite for that, right? So you have a, a business case. Now you also have a GHG problem. All of that energy that's being used to extract those ores and, and minerals from the from the earth and whichever type of mines they are is uh, it's, a, it's effectively really heavy pollutant stuff, right? And so if you can mm-hmm. go in there and you can create a new form of energy. Now and, and, and wind is, is problematic because it's so windy, and solar is problematic because of you know the environment that you're in, right? It's Difficult to have you know uh,
1: there are there some depending on how north you are there might be months of the year where you don't get any solar exactly so like what are your opportunities
0: is it geotherm is it geothermal is it something you know and and SMRs are are, are focusing in on this so this article here in WNN which is World Nuclear News uh, talks about the Canadian government's uh, involvement in trying to catalyze really an industry around SMRs and that's what's exciting so I would encourage people to check this out because this can really give you a sense of how this may get off the ground
1: yeah, absolutely. And this is, that's, that is part of the biggest problem that I see with SMRs is that they're still um, they, they don't have any wide scale adoption anywhere, which means the costs are extremely high. A lot of these little startups in SMR have have honestly failed uh, because although they had some initial agreements for purchase, they were never able to uh, get any additional customers. The market is generally hostile. soon as you start talking toward nuclear fission, everybody kind of walks out of the room and and so they they haven't been able to to take advantage of any economies of scale yet
0: okay let's jump over to some of our uh let's get some solar and some wind into these conversations we're going to get a call in shortly um jay which one would you like to tackle here do you want to talk about what's going on with uh california or do you want to talk about tesla what's your what's your take
1: oh let's always talk about tesla i love Yay, it tesla. Tesla. <laughs> last night okay. so the, the last well it's the last it's the last letter right um tesla's model y oh, get to say is, it is it's just <laughs> has just been announced now this is this is like the worst kept secret of tesla and Tesla tends to, <laughs> tends to keep their secrets when they want to but everybody knew this was coming for many many years um and it is it, the model y finally wraps up uh elon musk's longest running joke which is the s3 x y spells out the word sexy if you look at it yay with your eyes crossed and that yeah. and, and ford so, so, of course so and it
0: stymied some, the 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 three right and he had to go had to right. go to yeah, a they, e they to three to go, or three well, to
1: it's e. a little it's a little lead speak which i can see yeah i can see him him doing that uh, <laughs> but yeah <laughs> so so that it's a it's an suv like like the model x that with the the, the one with the, the gull wing doors, um, what are they called? Falcon the doors. The Falcon um, doors. Yeah. Yeah. The Falcon doors. Uh, but it is smaller. It's much more like the model three in, in pricing where it's actually going to come out at, at 47,000 for the long range version. And then the shorter range version is going to come out under $40,000, uh, base cost, of course. Yeah. Um, later on in, in the following spring. Um, so this, this, is going to be out there. You're going to start seeing more of these and they're hoping that,
0: uh, I said they're going to, they're going to sell of, more than the X and S put together. They see this as a real volume sell, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. It was, uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking. They're, they're hoping that this is going to be the volume seller. Like the model three was, uh, for, for sedans. I mean, um, We as Americans tend to buy SUVs an awful lot as a, as a purchasing body. And so it's something that they're really, really, really looking forward to getting out there. I'm just hoping that they can produce enough and that they don't have quite the uh the issues you know what i noticed here
0: the I, I saw this perf- the, they have a, the, the, there's a, the graph out there standard long dual motor all-wheel drive and performance the performance 280 yep. miles range this will be launched in 2020 150 mile per hour top speed are they are they are they increasing these top speeds i don't remember seeing 150 before in any of these cars and then you have a zero to 60 at 3.5 seconds you know a $60,000 price tag so pretty exciting attractive car is going to be supposedly the safest uh car of its type by uh by far on the road so very i'm I mean, yeah, congrats to Tesla, I guess. Right? I mean, safest,
1: awesome. su, SUVs typically aren't the safest cars, and they roll over. The rollover risk is quite high. Going 150 miles an hour doesn't sound like a good idea. I think if you put six, uh, uh, what is it,
0: a 60 or 100 kilowatt? How many kilowatt hours are they chucking in the uh, the little the base there? It's pretty stable. because It's low and really low CG, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, those, it, those batteries are very heavy, and it is way down in the bottom. Um, but it's kind of interesting that the thing exists at all absolutely absolutely let's give a quick
0: shout out to um the hawaii energy conference which is coming up on march 20th march 27th 28th spoke with doug this morning uh and he absolutely. was uh, yeah it's exciting i definitely recommend people go uh doug had said really uh simply I was like well why should people go doug and he said, uh, I'll hang on one second. He said, where else in history will you be able to see the president of the California Public Utility Commission one day and the chair of the California Energy Commission the next while staying on Maui? So <laughs> there's your pitch yep. uh, to come and enjoy <laughs> the Hawaii Energy Conference. I,
1: I, I, I do want to point out that if you think that it's, it's just on a Maui event, uh, this was formerly known as the Maui Energy Conference, and it has since grown significantly. Yeah. This, is, this is the biggest event in the state for energy. Um, Not just renewables, although that's what everybody wants to talk about. That's pretty much the only conversation these days. But it is the big show. So make a point of going down if you have any interest. Absolutely.
0: Okay, we're going to go to our commercial break now, Jay Wright. And then we're going to come back with Tim Peterson from Global First Power to learn about SMRs. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at pantechdesign.com. All right, those are our wonderful sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping the Solar Coaster on air for 97 uh, glorious episodes. We're here with uh, Tim Peterson from Global First Power. Tim, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly, Josh. Thank you. Hey, welcome welcome on board uh the Solar Coaster with us. Thank you, Tim, for joining us. Um so uh yeah, we want to we're really excited to hear about this. Obviously, this discussion is starting to kind of um find its way into renewable energy spaces. We're starting to learn about the uh, the effects and the, and the the really kind of critical nature of climate change. And then uh, nuclear energy, uh, fusion and the conversation of fission and new fission starts to become very, very relevant. So we really want to get a sense for uh, who you are, what your background is, and then kind of dig into this conversation of fission and understand why it's important to talk about. So why don't we just start from the beginning, Tim? Well, uh, Josh, I'm happy to tell
3: you about my background. I'm um, I, uh, uh, I- been in a, a businessman. Uh, started running a family business when I was 24, and um, haven't looked back. To, was spoiled by that experience, and have either started or managed companies myself ever since. And have been in the venture capital. Have participated in uh, public companies as uh, president, chairman, head of the audit committee, um, director of several companies, uh, three or four in the mining industry, which uh, has helped me with this project, and. Um, Eight years ago, I was down in uh, California and uh, met some people who invented a new type of nuclear fuel, and it it just, uh, it was such a brilliant concept that they had that um, I stayed with them, and uh, they eventually, um, because of the uh, wonderful uh, uh, regulations we have in in Canada on nuclear regulations, uh, they asked me if we could uh, put together a team to do the world launch of this technology in uh, Canada rather than the United States, because the regulatory system in the United States was, uh, is, is very tough to change because it's all coded and laws that have to require a new act of uh, Congress.
0: Gotcha. So you've got kind of a more um, more permissible environment in Canada. There's an opportunity to be able to, to kind of catalyze or launch this industry up there, and that's what you're up to. And we met actually at a, uh, uh, a SMR working group at Globe Capital, which was interesting. Uh, so... Let's get a sense, for, from your perspective, so you, you're, you're following this for eight years, you're seeing this development, give us a sense of what your technology does and what you're trying to accomplish specifically in that environment.
3: We have a very uh, unique technology that solves uh, all, basically all the problems of nuclear. Um, we take uh, enriched uranium and break it down into very small microscopic pieces and then coat it in layers of graphite and, um, and uh, silicon carbide and then put it into pellets and, and a further silicon matrix so that under all operating and accident conditions, our nuclear fuel cannot, does not emit any radioactive gases. If this type of fuel had been used at Fukushima and at, at Chernobyl, there would be no human fatalities, no human uh, injuries uh, because of it. And it's, it's rather counterintuitive. I mean, right now you see all these big nuclear power plants and they're huge big domes of cement lined with steel and lead and to protect, shield the people from the radiation. Rather than putting the protection in the building, we put the protection rate on the fuel. So it, uh, it, it solves the problem of radiation. Um, because of the way the, the fuel is engineered, it cannot be uh, re-engineered for use in nuclear weapons. So we, there's no proliferation possibility with our nuclear fuel. And because we load our plants once for 20 years, the, uh, any problem with uh, the disposition of uh, the leftover fuel at the end of the 20-year cycle is uh, minimal compared to existing technologies.
0: Okay, now this is fascinating stuff here, Tim. And uh, I'm not a physicist, uh, neither is Jay, although he's a pretty smart guy. But uh, how do we, um, is, is this happening, is there some kind of a discussion at, the, at the, the journal level or the scientific level that's kind of verifying some of these ideas about the, 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 the way that the fuel is handled to produce this more you know, this safer, non-weaponizable version of, of, of uh, nuclear fuel?
3: Well, when I took on this project four and a half years ago, I would, wouldn't even mention the fact we had this is what we had because unless we had third-party uh, verification of it and, and uh, endorsement by uh, people that nobody would frankly believe it. So in the four and a half years, uh, the, the first uh, um, conversation I had was with the gentleman of Ontario Power Generation, it's the largest uh, nuclear facility in North America, and uh, that's the, owned by the government of Ontario, and um, the chief uh, uh, nuclear officer for, for them interviewed our, the, the people uh, probably in the day, in about six months after we started the company, he interviewed our top people. And uh, he, he, he was very skeptical that what this, this, uh, we had would work and, and would be sustainable. And um, he, after you he interviewed him for two days, he sat there and said, My gosh, this must work. He said, But let me ask you one question. He said, what happens if there's a missile put into your nuclear reactor and the gentleman said well it's going to blow up the nuclear reactor and it's going to have nuclear fuel lying around on the ground emitting heat but no radiation and he said yes that's right i get it now i get it okay we besides that type of anecdotal work we have worked with the canadian nuclear safety commission we passed their first the vendor design review phase 1 which is a philosophical agreement that, um, under all operating and accident conditions, no nuclear um, gases will be released. Um, we also have Ontario uh, Power Generation has, has looked at us and, will, and wants to be the operator of the plants that we build, and um, we're in the process of finalizing an the agreement with them. And we're also uh, uh, have uh, uh, are working with the CML Canadian, uh, Canadian Nuclear Laboratories. Who owns the Chalk River site to uh, look at siting a a, a plant possibly in in their in their locations?
0: Okay, I get it. So let me ask you this: Um, So you're you you had said to me that you're much further down the road than other SMRs are relevant in in many ways because they're smaller. They're going to be they're 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 they're, they're utilizing new technologies and new standards to become safer. uh, And there's opportunities, business cases, to be able to deploy SMRs in different environments, a lot of times remote environments. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, past the science, uh, because frankly, I don't really, (laughs) I'm not looking at it and I can't understand it myself. But I mean, once we get to the point of what type of business cases are you looking at in in Canada? You mentioned some very interesting stuff about the mining industry.
3: Well, the most expensive electricity in Canada is up in the north off-grid. And that basically applies to communities and mines. And uh, we have uh, we've been doing feasibility studies with both. And uh, it appears that we can save the mines somewhere between uh, up to 20% of their a- uh, annualized uh, fuel costs. Uh, and that's a complicated um, uh, scenario because we're not selling the plant. We're selling just the electricity. And we will operate the plant. Most miners don't want to have anything to do with uh, operating a nuclear plant because that's not their expertise. And frankly, uh, some people are still nervous about nuclear. Um, But uh, that and also with the communities, we're doing feasibility uh, with the communities. We believe we can save them between 50 and 70 percent. So what it really means is that we can in many of these communities in, in the north, Um, They're uh, populated by Inuit or um, First Nations people of Canada, and they're living in substandard conditions because the cost of electricity is so high that they can't afford to have good um, electronic education, good electronic health, and uh, don't have the benefit of greenhouses, fish farms, and animal shelters, so they don't get fresh foods into those locations. With less expensive electricity, we can provide them with those benefits.
0: So it sounds to me like you've got an opportunity here in this particular environment. You have a strong business case. You have support from the Canadian government. You have a kind of favorable regulatory environment. And then the, 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 the group meeting group we were in was talking about the financing of that, of course. Uh, so let's say that this is possible. This works. It's safe. It's achievable. It gets deployed. What is the time scale, from your perspective, ideal to have these uh, SMRs or MMRs, I think you would call it, Nana? Would you say NMRs? N as in Nancy?
3: MMR, yes. SMR stands for a small modular reactor, and that includes anything from 2 megawatts up to about 300 or 400 megawatts. We're in the MMR micro-modular reactors, and our reactor building blocks are 5 and 10 megawatts, and we can, uh, we can put them together to build up to comfortably about 80 megawatts. Okay. Typical uh, uh, mine would probably use in the neighborhood between 20 and 30 megawatts, and the communities are are smaller because they don't have the big demand that the uh, that the machines have, or, uh, the mining machines have. If the mining industry electrifies their machines underground, is operating underground, and electrifies those machines, that those that number could double from 30, 25 to thirty megawatts up to fifty megawatts. Okay. And obviously, we produce zero carbon emissions. One of the great. Uh, the great, uh, interesting things I had, when we were first uh, on going down the road to understand who who would benefit from this, we were talking to some Inuit biz- businessmen, and they said, you know, we need, we're really concerned about global warming up in the north. He said, because you guys living in Toronto and the big cities, you don't really see global warming. Mm. But we see it up here because the ice is no longer as deep and as thick and as solid as the polar bears. Uh, we're not yeah. seeing as many polar bears and seals, and we all it has also changed the migration pattern of the caribou. Mm. So they said mm. this is really, really important to us, and the, and we have had a uh, despite the fact it's nuclear, we've had a, a, a good uh, interest, and when we are able to spend the time and educate uh, the people as to the safety of our uh, our, our nuclear power.
0: That's that's interesting to hear that personal perspective on global warming from the kind of front lines of the uh, of the communities around the world. I mean there's people in the South conversation, Pacific, right, yeah. that are having similar types of conversation because they're looking at uh, sea level rise. So uh, let's uh, let me ask you this. What is the timeline ideal scenario for deployment of this kind of uh, technology uh, in Canada in these environments, and then how can that relate to the issue of climate change and the timelines of climate change? Have you have you, have, you is that is that a, a timeline that's in your mind?
3: Yes, um, we are a small. I, I, I would love to say that we're a massive solution for the massive problem, but we're we're a, we're a small a small improvement to the massive problem because the, the you know getting rid of coal production. Um, which is what China is doing. China is putting in sixty nuclear. I believe that sixty nuclear power plants under under construction right now, hmm. of all of a thousand megawatts or more, and that's already China has done a major improvements in their air quality because they. they and you'd get said it. they're the world and they leader. They realized that they were in, the worst in, pollute, one of the worst polluters in in the world. Right. So, but so we will. We're but our future is maybe in the big sense not now but when we our prices decrease over time because our plants are going to be manufactured on assembly lines, so increase in volume will mean decrease in prices and as our prices come down we will be able to replace all your big hydro lines with having distributed power if you want to knock out all the grids in in North America wouldn't be very hard. A couple of strategic locations, and you kill all the all the you kill all the distribution systems. But with distributed power like we can do, we can put our small little reactors in every community, and get rid of the big high tension power lines and the loss that's included in those, and uh, have everybody, you know, every community with its own reactor nearby.
0: That is a um, probably for a lot of people. That's the kind of uh, imagery that I- evokes a, a bit of fear, I would think, right? Because the notion, the, 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 of- yeah, the
1: knee-jerk response is is not, not in my neighborhood, right? And I, if, if, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a there's actually a video game series called Fallout, and that really is the premise. So oh, they had nuclear reactors <laughs> everywhere. SMRs have actually been referenced in that a lot. So it's it's kind of like science fiction. Reality imitating well, science fiction. <laughs> if you don't believe what I'm saying about the fact that our reactor
3: commits known radioactive gases, you're absolutely right. But if mm-hmm. you believe it, and if you believe the third parties that have bought into it, and if you believe what the what the, the surveys they've done of people that live near nuclear power plants, they love them. Great jobs, high, uh, high incomes going back into the communities, and they're totally safe in Canada. We've had no accidents at all in Canada. So the specter and, and the fear-mongering, uh, I think it's, it belongs to yesteryear in the China Syndrome movie that was 40 years old. China Syndrome, yeah. Um, it,
0: that was the, our, Jane Fonda's movie that came out yes, just before Three Mile Island. Uh, like, it, it, it aired, like, weeks before Three Mile Island.
3: Exactly. And, and uh, that day and age is, is well past. And the uh, new... T- Ours is a brand new nuclear technology. One of the first ones in Canada. We're going to be the first new nuclear technology, building a plant in Canada in I don't know, fifty years.
1: Right. Right. Mm. So, so I think. Well, I think, it's well, the I think that there's 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 the argument there as well that even with the three major, um, what we consider major nuclear accidents that we've had as a species, um, the environmental damage from those incidents, uh, is is Insignificant when compared with the global damage from climate change.
3: Well, from uh, fossil fuels, absolutely. Yes, Yes. and and there's no comparison in the number of deaths, and there's no comparison in the the devastation to the economy. But you know, because of uh, because of the Second World War and the two bombs dropped, you know, the the fear. I mean, you cannot you cannot treat nuclear lightly, but. With this new technology, we have, as I say, we've solved the five big problems, three big problems
0: of nuclear power. So, Tim, you've got got this technology that you had just said has a specific, plays a specific role. I forget the term you had used, but it's not the the final kind of um, answer for everything energy, but it plays an important role. And uh, so when you look at uh, climate change and you consider that a lot of really smart, powerful people are putting money into nuclear right now, including uh, Bill Gates. In, yeah, i think it's TerraPower, power including yep. we just we just referenced in this uh, today's news and events article about uh, Bezos the uh, owner of Amazon uh right uh, yep. yeah Putting 127 million into a fusion uh, non non eater, not, uh, another project rather than eater private fusion. private fusion.
1: Um, yep. So you've
0: got these kind of power players out there, uh, you know, seeding this industry, looking for op- opportunities to, uh, to 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 push nuclear along. And that seems to me to be because of the, the the sheer math of the situation. We we you know we reference this often more more often in the last half dozen episodes that we in order to hit our 2050 uh, climate accords we need to be uh, deploying a, about a what is it Jay a terawatt of a
1: terawatt a terawatt, of, a terawatt of solar every year. A terawatt of solar every year. year. 100. And we're at one-tenth yes, of that.
0: And then, yep. and then it's and the, the projections on what we can scale globally is about 10 percent so getting to 110 120 130 this kind of territory over the course of the next few years which is actually like a, an accomplishment but nowhere near where we need to be so the the, the X factor is uh, what, what's going to fill in that gap and then it seems to me that we're just we're fi- we're hearing the, the, that the language really is fission in the near term and that these big big players out there are putting money into these research projects and these new companies is that your read and then do you do you can you predict a winner in that area do you see Who's who the leaders are?
3: Well, I, I would say in the brand new technologies, we're the leader because we don't—we're not going out to the market to ask for a billion dollars to prove that our technology work and to build the first unit. We our our, our budgets are uh, 20% of that, and we will have the first new plant available in 2022, and we'll be able to uh, increase the uh, the volume per year. It'll probably take uh, by 2020. Uh, 425 Um, there will be i don't think there will just be one winner of new technologies but the other thing that we're doing is we're not going for government funding we're financing basically going to be financing these plants off the power purchase agreements with the users
0: oh you're using using the savings to do it our
3: government or quasi utility in canada certainly governments have been financing nuclear development in the united states it's often been governments or utilities that our government like in, in in their size and and mass. So uh, this breakthrough into SMRs allows uh, uh, allows industry to play a much uh, private industry to play a much larger role. And we think we're we're probably the first ones who are not at the doorstep of government every day asking for money to say that we have to need you to design our reactor and prove it successful. So We've done I'm that
0: without government money. Gotcha, gotcha. So what I'm hearing is that you've got a. Favorable regulatory environment, you've got a market, you got a business case, you have a low-hanging fruit that you can go after, you have a, a, a receptive a community, and uh, you're able to put these into practice and action and show that case. And you, the business is based on PPAs or power purchase agreements, which I understand yeah. from the renewable energy I, industry. I
3: don't like you saying when I'm on the line with you, Josh, that we have a receptive community. There are always going to be people that we have to work with sure. and, 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 and negotiate with and they, frankly, are going to be our, our First Nations communities, the Inuit and the First Nations in Canada, uh, because uh, they weren't treated very well when a nuclear was introduced. Uh, and uh, so we have want to work with them and make them part of the solution. Yeah. We will even offer them uh, pieces of equity uh, in our company, or and or pieces of equity in the local installations that we do, because we want them to benefit from this power and from the, being part of the management team of it. And, and To bring it forward. So you know this is a very uh, delicate,
0: yeah. very delicate road, though, Tim, because I, I, you know, I, yes, I scanned, I scanned through some of the journal articles on nuclear over the last couple of days since we started talking, and there's, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see titles like uh, how indigenous communities have been impacted by nuclear in the past, and they're the frontline victims of, of 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 nuclear problems in the past. I've seen these kinds of things, right? So, uh yes, so exactly. This is, you know, assuming that this kind of uh, provides a, a solution and, a, and support, like we're like we're discussing here, that's wonderful. But I can see how that's a very delicate a road to traverse uh but the, my question was more in terms of you, you let's say this works over x period of time like you said three to five years that is a very aggressive timeline it's a very powerful tool um then is it possible to take that business case and then bring that to other environments outside of the regulatory uh, umbrella of canada and you had mentioned how you would do that which i thought was really interesting today
3: well thank you uh yeah um get this approved in Canada it's going to take approximately six years and to get this improved, uh, approved in, in the United States we, they estimated it was going to be 12 years that's why they came to Canada if, if um, uh, to, to, to get the first company to do that and fortunately the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission which is the people that um, they don't give a stamp and stick it on your reactor and say hey this is a Approved to operate they give you a license to operate and they keep come and check on a monthly basis uh, whether you're operating within the parameters and conditions they've set out for you so it's a bigger hmm. very rigorous process to get approved and it's a very rigorous process to maintain your operating license so um, and that's why they have such a great credibility around the world once we have that body of knowledge with them and They have done all their, their, you know, tire kicking and questioning and observing and testing of our statements, then we think that other uh, jurisdictions around the world, each, the International Atomic Energy uh, Commission uh, Association basically is the overall international body that regulates all the commissions that each country has to have if they're going to have nuclear power. And we think that there's a way to work with them. And each of the new countries to take our body of knowledge and give it to them and say, okay, check this. And if you like it, you don't have to start from ground zero. So we think the testing times could come down in other countries down to two or three years for implementation. And that corresponds to roughly how long we need to build a new reactor. Gotcha. About two years.
0: Okay, Jay, is there uh, something you'd like to, 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 to ask before we start the wrap up process here?
1: Um, I'm still trying to figure I'm actually reading right now Because I didn't get enough time to, uh, to go through all this But I'm trying to figure out exactly what happens You, you had mentioned that if you, if you Have a bomb or a missile hit on, on, the, uh, on the installation itself um, That the material would be strewn about And it generates heat, but it wouldn't be um, what, what happens if, if you co- Just in a complete loss of power situation Where their cooling systems No longer function properly
3: It's a great question because it also outlines uh, one of the major design differences of our reactors to the current reactors. The current reactors Mm -hmm. melt down because they operate at 2,000 degrees C, Mm -hmm. which can melt steel and cement. Our reactor operates at about maximum 900 C, so it can't melt steel and cement. And basically what happens, uh, there's a a precursor fuel to what we our fuel is called an FCM, fully cladded uh, fuel. With a, and there's a fuel that is similar to it that's been around for 60 years called triso fuel. And there are mm-hmm. triso reactors, a triso reactor in Japan and in China. And if you walk over and hit the off switch and turn it off, the whole reactor will shut down, and all the heat just dissipates into the ground and the environment. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with our reactor. That's why it can't melt down because the temperature doesn't start out as as high, and it can just just dissipate passively into the environment without any without any damage to life or limb.
1: Nice. Okay. That I mean that that is that is the biggest concern. We've we've been we've been trained by many many years of news media that that nuclear bad, um, and and it. it Sounds like we need to reevaluate the policy, or at least have the conversation. I'm I'm not sold. <laughs> I apologize, uh, but but I'm certainly willing to willing to, to research it more.
0: What I find
3: well, interesting. Well, I can tell you that when I first heard about it, I wasn't sold until I the the, the, the third or fourth nuclear engineer said, "Yeah, this works. This right. is sound technology." And then we had the past event or design review with the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission and the largest operator of nuclear power plants in the in North America, OPG, decided to put their reputation on the line and sign on and be our operator. So these, these are just impeccable people to have on your side uh, in, in terms of uh, right. endorsement of a new technology. And um, I, I've done many things. In my, I've been in five or six different industries in my uh, business career and i've never met one where the 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 integrity of information is so acute as in the nuclear industry because you make a, uh, a you know a tiny little error it'll come back and hit you in the face and it, so it's it's what i'm talking about is is, uh, is 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 tested and proven the problem is it's such a sea change that it's just emotionally difficult to accept it after one sure. hearing one call and uh, I found that uh, typically, if w- with even with the mines, I need to visit with them three or four times to convince them that what we have is sound. And uh, we have now have um, close to 10 mines we're doing feasibility studies Oof. with. Excellent
0: and stuff. Tim, we're, yes. we're, it looks like we're, uh, we're out of time we're out here. Of time. I but it. I think it's uh, fantastic that you came on. It's been really wonderful to hear about this. We're certainly going to cover uh, a variety of the other technologies in the upcoming months, and we look forward to kind of getting a better read on how fission may play a role in our new energy economy. So, this has been Tim Peterson from Global First uh, Power. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, sir, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Josh, thank you
3: so much, and thanks for the great thing you're doing for
1: global
0: climate change all right yeah i appreciate it Tim. okay hey folks this has been the solar coaster sponsored by Pantech design sundrum solar and lg chem uh it's been a pretty amazing show and i uh, look forward to a great weekend ahead aloha Thank friday you.